I think one of the greatest words and warmest words in the English language is a word that we use quite often, is friend. You know, quite often we, we use that word loosely. Um, we, we talk about having Facebook friends. Uh, how many Facebook friends do you have that you absolutely don't know? Ra- raise your hand if you have one of those. M- most of us. I-, I was looking last night on my Facebook. Uh, I only have 4,175 friends, all right? I was a little bit disappointed I didn't make the 5,000 mark. You know, we-, we-, we just use that word so loosely. Sometimes when we forget someone's name, it's like, hey, friend. Uh, sometimes we just use it sort of a term of endearment. We meet somebody and we real quickly, next time we see them, hey, hey friend, good to see you, friend. I remember that happening to, to me uh, quite a few years ago. I was invited to lead prayer at the State of the State Address down in the old Capitol building. And, and the, before it, Stephanie and I went down there, we're in sort of a little back room getting ready to come out. And, and the governor actually comes through and just sort of shakes our hand, just a few pleasantries. And then we go out on stage and the governor actually gets up to introduce me. And he says, um, our prayer tonight is led by the preacher of the Landmark Church, my new friend, Buddy Bell. I thought, dude, I didn't even vote for you. <laughs> we're not friends, you know what? But he used that word that way, and so, so I led the prayer. Must not have done a whole lot of good because he later went to prison, but we were close friends, you know what I'm talking about? Because we use that word so loosely, but I want you to show a, a passage where Jesus uses it quite literally. You've been talking about how good God is. In this one verse, you'll see something about the goodness of God. Look at John 15 in verse 15. Jesus says, I have no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Guys, do you recognize how radical that is? Now, when Jesus says, I've not called you servants, that's not a derogatory term. Anybody walking the earth would have been thrilled to be called the servant of God. That was the label for Moses, Joshua. It was the label for the Apostle Paul. It was a great label. But Jesus says, that's not good enough. That's not how I'm looking at you anymore. I would actually want to call you my friend. Now, when people heard this in that day, there are lots of pictures that come up in their mind. Because they were familiar with this, this term called the friend of a king. A, a king would have what, what we call today for a president a kitchen cabinet. Oh, they're not in an official position, but their unofficial position as being friends of the president, friends of the king, might make them even more powerful. And a friend of a king in Jesus' day was given full access to the king. He could walk into any meeting, be it anything. He actually had permission to walk in the king's bedroom. We hope he knocked, but he could walk in the king's bedroom. So Jesus says, I've called you guys to this incredible place to be friends. And yet I think to myself as soon as I hear this verse, Jesus, you really want to be my friend? I mean, my, my, my goodness, you're a holy God. You're the creator of the earth. You're the sustainer of the earth. You're the redeemer of my soul. You are almighty God in the flesh. And you want, in all of your holiness, to be my friend? And that's what this passage is all about. It's a 
crazy good passage. We're going to look at the whole thing now. John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 12. These are some of Jesus' last words on the earth. And he's trying to tie himself to these disciples of the kind of relationship that they have with him. And the theme running throughout these chapters is, you got to love each other, guys. Look at John chapter 15, verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Quite a standard, right? Greater love has no one than this. They lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. Because here's, here's the message Jesus is trying to say to us. As radical as it sounds, as honestly the word I would use, as preposterous as this sounds, I want to be your friend. Well, four things said in this passage. Number one, Jesus invites me. I, I love what Jesus says here. Guys, you didn't come after me. I took the initiative to have this friendship with you. In fact, I chose you. Isn't it a great thing when you're chosen by somebody? Your spouse has given you the greatest honor of your life that they chose you. Some of us can remember times where we weren't chosen that were rather painful. You ever remember, you know, in you know, elementary school and they're, they're picking kickball teams? And, and, the, and the two major studs of the class, you know, are the captains and, and they get to choose. And so uh, they choose all the athletic guys and you're still standing there. Then they choose all the athletic girls and you're sta still standing there. If I need just two of you guys, and they go, you know, you guys just get on whatever team you want to. You're not ever even chosen. But then how about the day when your best friend's a captain? And no matter how unathletic you are, the first thing he says is, I want Buddy on my team. That's pretty amazing. And that's what Jesus is saying. I choose you. How does he choose us? First, that's Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14 says this. We are called by the gospel, this radical story, this good news we just enacted in communion, calls us to come to Jesus. And so we've been invited to come to him. And what Jesus wants us to do is say yes. You think, I don't know if I'm invited or not. Listen, here's what the scripture says. Whosoever will, let him come. So Jesus invites me. Second, Jesus sacrifices for me. He says, the greatest thing a friend can do for another friend, obviously, is to give their life for someone. We know our friends when we need someone to sacrifice. We all know about fair weather friends. We also know about friends that you could call at any time. Let's say, for instance, last night you drove up to some friend's house on Lake Martin. And you went up there and you watched the Auburn ball game and you hang, hung around for a while and it was late and you're headed back toward Montgomery and in between the lake and Montgomery, your car breaks down. It's midnight. What do you, what do you immediately start doing? 
your brain starts going through this Rolodex. You're not a triple A member. You just, your brain goes through this Rolodex. You think about some friends at work and friends in your neighborhood and even friends at church, and you're quickly analyzing, who in the world could I call? And you may end up with one or two names. Let me tell you guys, that's your friends. That's the one that comes in the middle of the night. And that's who Jesus is for us. I I love Charles Dickens' story, The Tale of Two Cities. And in that story, he tells about a man named Charles Danzy. And and he's arrested in the French Revolution, and he's innocent. But in that revolution, nobody cares much about if you're innocent or guilty. And so he's headed to the guillotine. His best friend, though, a man named Sidney, decides to do something about it. And so before the day of execution, or on the day of execution, he sneaks into prison he actually drug, drugs Charles Dansby. And when he's drugged, he takes his clothes off. They happen to look quite a bit alike, put his clothes on, and he was taken to the guillotine where he paid the ultimate price for his friend to go free. My friends, that is the story of the gospel. This is not a fiction story. This is a real story. Jesus came and took your place so that you could be free and so that you could have him as your friend. So if you ever question the love of Jesus, which is easy to do, just remember what he did for you on the cross. There are a lot of things I question about God, but one thing I don't question when I'm at the cross is, does he love me? And then number three, I think so special, Jesus confides in me. He says, I've let you in on everything the Father has told me. Because we've talked about this for weeks in this Living Close message series, that the way you build friendships is by sharing with each other. The, The people your closest friends are are people that you share a secret with. And we're normally extremely cautious if we even do this. So I just sort of crack the door open and tell you something about me you wouldn't know. And then I wait. Number one, or or you can keep quiet. Number two, will you come back and crack the door so I can see into your heart. And a good friendship is when the door is just cracked a little bit and a little bit until you finally have a friend who knows everything about you and still loves you. That's a great friend. And that's what Jesus is saying here that he's doing. Because when Jesus walked on this earth, Jesus said, I've I've come to make God known. I've come to explain God. You see, if you want to know what makes God happy, you want to know what makes God sad. You want to see what makes God angry. You want to see what makes God cry. Just look at Jesus. He is that friend. And then on the cross, Jesus says, let me just go ahead and rip my chest open and show you everything in my heart about how much I love you. So Jesus has confided in us. He's told us the secrets of his Father. Don't you love it when you have someone who will confide in you? Someone who trusts you? That's the test of a friendship. Can I confide in you and trust you? And that's the price of friendship. And Jesus came before we ever confided a word, before we ever said a thing and said, guys, I just want you to see my heart. I'm taking the risk that you're going to hurt me. In fact, I already know the majority of people on this earth will hurt me, but I still love enough 
to confide everything in you. Then number three is sort of the, the, the next, number four is Jesus intercedes for me. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that's what's going to happen. He's going to intercede. He's going to go before you because he wants the best for you. You ever had a friend that pleaded your case? Maybe you were, maybe you were looking for a job. And, and you knew the people where you're interviewing or putting your resume in might somehow know your friend. And so you call your friend and you say, hey, can I, can I put your name as a reference? Or, or while I'm in the interview, could, could I mention that you and I are close? You love that, don't you? In fact, I saw the statistic this week I thought was fascinating. 80% of teenagers get their first job through a friend of their father. I, I can remember when I was... My summer between my freshman year in college, I called my dad. He was actually pretty up and blunt in Montgomery, which is a huge international construction firm. So I thought, man, he can get me a good job. So he calls me back and said, buddy, I've got you a job. I said, where is he? He said, with the Alabama Highway Department. I thought, that's cool. I can work like a state worker, right? I can, sorry about that. I mean, I can, I, I can just, you know, go and I'll probably get this cush desk job and not have much to do. Let me tell you what my job was. It was picking trash up on the major highways in Alabama all day long from 8 to 5. Thanks, Dad. Pretty powerful, weren't you? And guys, here's the great thing about Jesus. Jesus says, I'm not going to let you down. In fact, I'm going to intercede for you. If you want to drop a name, you drop it every time you talk to God. I pray this in the name of Jesus. I'm dropping a name, God, because I am your son's friend, and he's promised me if I'll ask anything in your name, in his name, you'll do it. Now, guys, listen to me. You got to understand the language here. That's not a blank check to say, you know, whatever frivolous thing you want to do, if you ask God, he's going to come through. No, no, no. What, what the word means is, I ask as if I were Jesus. I'm asking God what I know to be the will of Jesus. And he says, when you're praying in the will of Jesus, it will be yes. Now, we've been talking all the way through this series that the key to friendship is it can't be one-sided. There's got to be a reciprocity, we've said. And we see this in these last two points. Jesus confides in us, and then through prayer, he invites us to confide in him. Do you pray that way? Change your point in my life, sophomore year of college, confused, don't understand me, not too sure about God, go up in my little house, little small room, I've got a single bed, I've got a desk right beside it, and I, I just don't know what to do. So finally, I, I just got to talk to God, and for the first time in my life, I did something that appeared to be silly. I just stepped off my bed, I turned the chair around from my desk, and it faced the bed, and I just sat on the bed thinking that God was sitting in that chair, and he was. And for the first time in my life, I didn't use any religious words. There were no these and thous. There were no big, big words. It was just, God, I don't like this about me. I'm not too sure about you. Why did you let this happen? And just, and I'm going to tell you, it was revolutionary. It's like we talked about last week. God wants you to confide in him. He's big enough, loving enough to even hear your complaints about him. And guys, when your relationship with God becomes that real, you see, with a friend, you should not have to filter your words. And Jesus says, that's the kind of friendship you can have with me. Now, let's think real quickly about the proof of friendship here. Uh, there are three words used in the text that would 
say you've got this friend. The, the first word is the word fruit. Uh, that, that just simply means the result. And, and what he's trying to say is it's natural, it's organic. When you become like Jesus, then the next word is obedience. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then he says, the fruit will be love. In fact, as I've been studying this this week, I've always used this middle thing as sort of a, a general blanket over all commands. And I think it applies there. But in context, the only command that Jesus is making that will prove your friendship is that we love each other. And what's, what's the standard? We love each other the way he's loved us. Crazy. So what, how, how do you know if you're a friend of Jesus? You start becoming like him. And here's the cool thing. Through him, you've learned to take the initiative in friendship. You've learned to sacrifice. You've learned to allow people to confide in you and for you to confide in them. And here's the cool thing about friendship is you start becoming like each other, right? I mean, for good or bad, you begin to reflect the attitudes, beliefs, even language of your best friends. And Jesus says, when you become my best friend, it may sound pretty preposterous, but, but you are going to slowly but surely become like me. You have a friendship like that? I'm, I'm thinking me and Dan Burgess. I mean, we've gotten so close, we dress alike. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you just, you just, poor Dan. I mean, you just slowly but surely become like that person. It's a really cool thing. But it's even cooler when it's God. And you just start spending enough time with God in His Word, in prayer, walking through everyday life, that before you know it, you're becoming like Him. And people go, you know what? That guy's a friend of Jesus because his life is full of loving friendships. Now catch this real quickly. The guy who writes this letter, this, this book, the Gospel of John, who is it? John. And guess what? If you want to say Jesus had a best friend on this earth, it's John. In fact, John does not even have to name himself in his book. All he's got to do is drop this line, the one that Jesus loved, the disciple Jesus loved. And everybody goes, no doubt about that, best friend, John. And guys, what is John's theme? How do we know? Well, John started off in the Gospels as an absolute hothead trying to call down the fires of heaven to destroy some Samaritans. He's got this big ego wanting to be the right and left hand of the Father. But slowly but surely, John hangs out with Jesus. And by end of his life, not only does Jesus know him as the one he loves, but everybody knows him as the apostle of love. In fact, John's the last gospel right written. First, second, and third John are written after that. And if you just want to sum it all up, what John's trying to say over and over is, this is what I learned from being a friend with Jesus, is that we love each other and we sacrifice for each other the way he did. And finally, tradition says that John is the last living apostle. He's the only apostle who dies from old age, exiled on an isle. But before he died, he was brought into a gathering of Christians and of course, he's the only apostle left. They want to hear from him. And so they bring him down. He's now in a stretcher. And they say, John, please just say something to us. 
And he summed it all up with these words. Little children, love one another. He's become like Jesus. Now this morning, I want to close by giving you some warning because I am so afraid that many of us settle for less than what God wants for us. We settle for just rules. You know, I can remember growing up, Really popular book in my church was, it was called The Do's and Don'ts of Christianity. The implication is, if you'll do all the do's and don't do all the don'ts, you'll be in good shape. Because none of us could do it, neither can you. Now, there are rules, I'm not trying to say they're not rules, but that's not the basis. The basis is this love relationship with Jesus. But many of you, you're walking in here guilty because it's all just based on how you did this week in keeping the rules. Some of the rest of us settle for, for just feelings. You know what I'm saying? I'm Christianity. I just, I just want to feel it. I just want to feel the presence of God. That's good. Christianity involves amazing feelings. But it's like any relationship. Some days you'll feel closer than you will on other days. And we just want to stay. It's like, um, have you ever been to summer Bible camp? Raise your hand. Anybody ever had a romance at summer Bible camp? That's dangerous, isn't it? Oh, you meet the girl you know the first day, the next day, you ask her name. By the third day, you guys are picking out the names of your future children. I mean, it gets so serious so quick, and finally it's the last day, and your folks are trying to come pick you up, you know, and you're just bound to each other. And you're just expressing this lifelong, I love you, I love you. We're going to stay in touch, and we're going to talk all the time. I'll come see you. Sounded awesome, didn't it? But two weeks later, you've forgotten the girl's name, right? I mean, it just is this emotional explosion that doesn't last anywhere. And sometimes we're all just looking for this big emotional moment. And I love them when they come, but that's not what it's about. It's about a steady relationship. Good days and bad days. And then some of us settle for just religion. Now, don't get me wrong, religion's not a bad word. Religion is just a word that talks about the outer ritual of what we do. Just a few moments ago, we participated in a ritual called communion. That's awesome. But for too many of us, we believe if I just do the rituals right, if I just come to church and I check off the boxes, that's what God wants for me. No, 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 no. God wants so much more for you. He wants a friendship with you. You catch that? He wants friendship. And that'll cause you to keep the rules and give you some great feelings, and the rituals will actually mean something. But what he means is I want that close friendship. That's why you were created. And listen to me. You've heard in this passage, Jesus has invited you. I remember when I first met Stephanie, I was youth minister here at Landmark. I was just really young, and they let me go to this little church in South Alabama and preach. It was called Coffee Springs. There were only seven members. They were all women. Stephanie was not one of them, okay? Uh, they were all about five times her age. I mean, it just was this, this, oh. And so I go down and preach. Her brother's leading singing, and she comes. I meet her the first night. I come back here to Montgomery. I see my secretary. I say, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I've ever met someone who looks like my wife. I did last night. And then she invites me over to some cookies, you know, and then, um, you know, I come back to Montgomery at the end. This shows how old we are. After that, I wrote her a note, 
In the note, I said, it was so great to meet you. Thank you for the cookies. If you really think that's the reason I'm writing you, you're crazy, I would love for us to go out. Pretty direct, right? Well, she gets the letter. She's not too sure about this preacher. She thinks he's a little bit unfriendly, right? She shows the letter to her mom, and her mom says, baby, if you don't write him back, I will. She was a very godly, spiritual woman. I'm telling you that, all right? She had wisdom, and, and, and that's the way it starts. But she had to write me back, and we had to go to that dated Pizza Inn on Atlanta Highway. I mean, just the way it starts. And guys, today, God wants to be your friend. You think, oh, no, no, God could not want to be my friend. I've got too many problems. Listen, I believe one of Jesus' favorite titles when he walked this earth was when his critics said, you are, guess what, a friend of sinners. What Jesus says is all these uptight religious people who won't admit they got problems, I can't really fool with them because they don't think they need me. But it's the people who know they've got problems, they got big-time problems, who will humble themselves and come to me. If they're full of sin, I can be full of forgiveness and transform them. So this morning, as we sing this song of invitation, my, my friends, it's a song of invitation. He chose you. Or you can choose him. So maybe you've never become a Christian. Today's the day that you see it's more than just all this religious mumbo-jumbo. It's more than just a bunch of rules. He really wants to be your friend. Or maybe, you know, you've become a Christian, but in the midst of a crazy busy life, you just, it's just become a, a checkbox, and you're just going through the motions. And the truth is, it's really not a friendship. It's like a lady who came forward first service. I know God's got so much more for me than what I'm getting. And today, in this moment, we would love to pray for you. Would you come right now while we stand and sing?